Today's daf is Bavakama daf Pei Aleph. And we are at the last line of daf Pei Omid Beis, Today's daf is being learned as a schos for Achenu B'nei Yisrael, Hanesunu Batzara Vashivya. Today's daf is also being learned Le'ilui Nishmas, Avrom Yitzchak Ben Yechiel Mechel, that's my grandfather, Reb Avrom Yitzchak Mir, or as he was affectionately known by many as Mr. Mir, May today's learning and really everything that we do be a schos and an aliyah for his nisham. So yesterday we began the very, very, very last leg of Perik Merubah. So the overwhelming majority of Perik Merubah is extremely intense, stating that the last few dafin end off on a lighter note. The Mishnah on Daf Ayin Tesamid Beis discusses different takonos that were nogeya Eretz Yisrael. Ein megadlin behem medaka b'Eretz Yisrael. Ein megadlin tarnagoylim b'Yerushalayim. Ein person nishoivim l'yoyinim, etc., etc. Regardless, the Gemara today is going to begin with additional takonos that were put in place for Eretz Yisrael. These takonos go back a very long time. How long? When Yeshua bin Nun and the Yidin entered Eretz Yisrael for the first time, he instituted these takonis. As we're going to see, the takonis were all Nagaya agriculture, farming, which gives us a little bit of insight to what life was like once upon a time. Today's daf is going to focus on the takonis of Yeshua bin Nun. Tomorrow's daf is going to focus on takonis that were made by Ezra HaSoifer, the second time the Yidin made an aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, when Ezra led the Oilei Babas. Yeshua Benon made ten tenoim, ten stipulations, ten conditions, that every single Yid that was going to get a chelik in Eretz Yisrael had to abide by. Number one, that people would allow other people's animals to graze in their forest. Additionally, a person is allowed to go and take wood from his friend's field. You're allowed to pluck grass out of your friend's field, with the exception of a fenugreek field. In that instance, the grass is off limits. You're allowed to cut off branches, even from trees that don't belong to you, with the exception of, in the event that the branch that you're cutting is from an olive tree, then you have to leave over two fistfuls of branch more than that, you're not allowed to cut. If there's a fresh spring that's coming out of somebody's possession, anyone that lives in the city is allowed to benefit from it. Additionally, you're allowed to go fishing in the Sea of Tveria. The Chiddush is that Tveria was Naftali, as the Gemara is going to say. So you could have thought that only people from Shevet Naftali are allowed to fish in the Sea of Tveria. Someone that's not from there, that was one of the terms that Yeshua Benun put in place. However, a fisherman, although he's allowed to have a fish and a hook, but at the same time, what he's not allowed to have is he can't put one of these big fancy entrapments. And the reason is because it's going to get in the way of ships being able to go back and forth. A person is allowed to 
go to the bathroom in somebody else's rishos. Meaning, if somebody's in the rishos of Rabbim and he had to go to the bathroom. So this is in an era where there were outhouses. Now, you didn't have a public restroom. You want to go in a place where it's going to be somewhat private. So you'll have to go in a field that's close by. Go to the other side of the gather, even though you're doing it in somebody's rishos. And the chiddush was vafilu karkum. Even if this field was filled with saffron, which was some very chashiv type of plant, even then this is something that you'd be allowed to do. Mahalchem your ladder, go and walk through paths that people had in their fields. But that you only let do until the second major rain of the winter came. Once the second rain came, so then the floor would get very muddy. And if you're going to walk through this person's field, you're going to ruin it. Additionally, in the event that there were pegs, yesedos, that were in the middle of the road. Now this would happen, we saw this earlier in the Masechta, when it would rain and get cold and sometimes these big boulders of mud would form in the middle of the road. It was very hard to walk by. So the convenient thing to do would be to go a little off-road, walk towards the sides. The problem is, if you're going to walk on the side, you're getting very close to the Rosh Yachids that are lining these roads. Kamash Malon, one of the time of Yeshua Benon, that this is something that's going to be okay. Additionally, if somebody's lost in a vineyard, you're allowed to try to save yourself and get to a safe place, even though it's going to mean rummaging through this person's vineyard and ultimately causing damage. What's the chiddush? You could have thought that maybe you have to take the long scenic route, meaning go to the back, walk around. The chiddush is that you don't have to do that. You're allowed to try to find a shortcut. You don't have to necessarily make a grace kafa, even though you're doing it at somebody else's cheshman. And finally, you may smitzvah kind of a kind. That in the event that you find a may smitzvah, you bury it wherever it is, regardless of whose rishus it's in, and someone's going to be negatively impacted by the fact that there's a corpse buried now in his front lawn. But at the same time, this is one of the time of Yeshua Benun, that may smitzvah is kind of a kind. Either way, asorit non hisni Yeshua, the Gemara listed them. Incidentally, if you were keeping score, we actually mentioned not 10 to 9, but 11. It's going to be the Gemara's kasha. But for now, we have the Asara Tram of Yeshua Benun, and the Gemara is going to go and dissect each one of them. So we always say this. When our farmers, we live in a very, very different world than the Yidden lived in when they entered Eretz Yisrael in the times of Yeshua Benun. So we try our best to be mamchish a little bit what all these Tram mean. Obviously, if you lived in a different world, they would be even more meaningful. So the first of the train was Sheyu Marin Bekharshin, that it's okay for a person to allow his animals to graze and to drezech in somebody else's forest. Um, Rapop, Rapop, I said, wait, well, the only time this was true is Ella, Daka, if the animal that's grazing is a behemoth, Daka, like a sheep and a goat, we saw this yesterday, Bigasa, and it's in a very large forest, Ava Daka, Daka, but in the event that you have a behemoth Daka and you want it to graze in a smaller forest, or Vigasa, Vigasa, you have a behemoth Gasa and you want it to graze in a large forest, look, that's not going to be okay. The Koshkin, and certainly Gasa, Daka, the Lord, that if you can have a behemoth Gasa and you want it to graze in a small field, that's certainly not going to be okay. So the the only time that this tonight was put in effect was if it was Daka Begasa. So behemoth Daka in a very large forest, that's going to be okay. And the reason is because although it's going to do damage, but it's limited in terms of how much damage it's going to do. But to the extent that we feel that there's going to be even more damage than that, then it's already not going to be okay. The second one of the train was, Umalaktim Eitzin Misadai Seyen. A Yid's allowed to go to his neighbor's field, take wood, for himself. Sounds like a chiddish, right? So you have to read the not such fine print. So here Chazal say that the only time this time Yeshua Benun was made was regarding his mi So these are 
trees or brushes that have thorns. Things like that are shtickle hefker, and as a result, you're allowed to take it. Abba b'shar eitzev, if it's a chashev, a piece of wood, loy, that's not going to be okay. V'afilu b'hizmi v'hi, again, even if it's hizmi v'hi, loy amar, ela b'mechubar, only if it was attached to the ground. Abba b'tlushin, but if they were detached from the ground, loy, then too it's not going to be okay. And the reason is, because to the extent that it's tlushin, we assume that the person probably cut it for a reason, he wants it, and therefore you're not allowed to take it. V'afilu b'mechubar, loy amar, and even if it's mechubar, it's ela b'lach, only if it's moist. Abba b'yavation, but in the event it's dry, loy, they're not, because if this person dried it out, then we assume that he's using it maybe for fire, and therefore the halacha is that even that, you would not have been able to take. In other words, the only time you could take it is if it's his mivahigi, even then it has to be mechuber, even then it has to be lach. And then finally, even if you meet all those conditions, she still can't uproot it from the ground. So if you're going to have to literally rip the roots out, then even if you meet that criteria, it's not going to be okay. Umelaktenasavim, Another one of the time Yeshua Benun was that you're allowed to go to your neighbor's field, you're allowed to rip grass out of the ground with the exception of a field where there's fenugreek. So the Gemara says, this would seem to imply the Tilson Mailula Asav. That's good for a plantation of fenugreek to have grass. That's the one time where you have to allow the balabas of the Tilson to have his grass. Viramini, Frank the Gemara, ask you a kasha from a Mishnah, Misachtis Kalayim, Tilson, Sha'olsa, and Miniasov. And if somebody had Tilson and with different types of grass that was growing together with the Tilson, we don't force the person to rip the grass out of the ground. Now, Tilson and these Miniasovin is considered Kalayim. Ordinarily, a person is not allowed to maintain Kalayim in this field. You can't plant Kalayim. You also can't maintain Kalayim. And the context of the Mishnah Masechtas Kalayim is that there was a vad that used to make sure that the Oilam was very careful with Kalayim. Be'echad ba'adar, mashmi'an ala Kalayim. But this is one of the things they used to come down very hard on. And they would go to different fields and they would say, this is Kalayim, get rid of it. But when it came to grass and tilson, ain't mechai v'noyseilakar. And the reason is because it's bad for the grass to be together with the tilson. This person's going to do it anyway, so there's no reason to tell him to do something that you know he's anyways going to do, which is a Schwarz and Weiss contradiction to what we just said. The Tanai of Yeshua Benun was that you're allowed to take grass with the exception of a Tilson plant. Why? Because the grass is a good thing. Yeah, Tilson is this one exception that you have in the Mishnah, Masechtas Kalayim, where even though you have Kalayim between the Tilson and the grass, we're not Mechaev you because we say it's a bad thing, you're going to take it out. So here's the question. Grass for Tilson. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Seems to be a steer. It depends. Are you planting Tilson for the seed? Are you planting it for its stalks? If you're planting it for its seeds, then it's not good. And the reason is the Makcheshila because the grass, it takes some of the nutrients that the soil is producing and as a result, the seeds are not going to get all that it needs. Thus, the grass is a bad thing. Lazirin, if, however, you're planting fenugreek because you want the stalks, you want the actual plant, then it's a good thing. Because the reason is you want the stalk to be able to stand, and if it's going to be surrounded by grass, this grass is going to provide support, and as a result, it's actually going to be a good thing. So what's the terrace to the stira? Kan lazera, kan Or you could say, kan adam, kan It could be the chilik is whether or not you planted the fenugreek for human consumption or for animal consumption? What's the difference? The kimon de la behemoth, in the event that he did it for the behemoth, the zara, 
That's what the seed is for. So the grass is actually a good thing. Meaning if a human is going to eat it, so you're going to eat the fenugreek, you're not going to eat the grass. Then the grass ends up being a bad thing. If, however, it's for the animals, you can add to the salad. You throw in a little bit of grass, it's actually a mayla, and therefore in that instance, it's going to be okay. In other words, it comes out then that when it comes to handling fenugreek, by the way, of Rosh Hashanah fame, and Simonim fame, so there's a distinction between Lezera or Lezirin, and there's a distinction between whether it's Adam or Lebehemah. And there's a big nafkim in the Lalacha. On the one hand, you have the Tanai of Yeshua Benon, you can literally go and take grass from any type of plant, with the exception of Tilsan. You have the flip side that, as it relates to Kalayim, we're not going to be mechai of you to rip it out because we assume that it's something that you're going to do regardless. So if you pass a field and you see fenugreek, it matters why this person planted this fenugreek. Is it lazera or lazirin? Or is it la'adam or la'behema? Chaps nafkeminas la'halacha. Says the Gemara, uminoyodina. So how then are you supposed to know? Meaning if there's nafkeminas la'halacha, then there hopefully is a simon to know what's what. So... The question is, what is that simon? Amr Rapapa, Rapapa said, Shore Meshore Adam. If the way the fenugreek was planted was in rose, aruga is Rashi says, then we assume it's Adam. Lo Shore Meshore. In the event that you don't have these arugas, then Lebehemo, we assume it's Lebehemo. All the Rishonim say that the Gemara answered what the simon would be for the second terrace of the Gemara, for the Iba Yisema. How do you know the distinction of whether it's Adam or Lebehemo? But as it relates to whether it's Lazera or Lazir, in there, the Gemara never explained it. Ayin Shah. The Koitmenetia Bechal Maka. Another one of Yeshua Benun's takanas was that you're allowed to cut metiyos, shoots, branches, with the exception of in the event it's a zayis, you can't rip it out legamri, but you have to leave over grufios, miloshin egroif, two fistfuls of zayis. That's how much you would have to leave over. Says the Gemara, pirish raptanchon verabrais. Mishum Zokan Echot, Rav Tamchen or they explained this Takon a little bit better in the name of a Zokan Echot, and they said, Bezayis Kebet, in the event that what you're ripping out is a Zayis, so then the amount that you would have to leave over is, you'd have to leave over a Beya. Now, at first glance, it seems to contradict what the Takana said. The Takana said, Chutzmi and now we're saying that it's uh, a Beya. So which one is it? So from Rashi, it's a little bit mashma that the distinction is that the chutz migrufia shalzayis is how much you leave over. The kebeya is, Rashi says, kashir goiva. It's the height. So one is talking about the kamos. How much of the zayis are you leaving over? The other is talking about the height, meaning the how much could be in the height, it could be in the width. So as it relates to shnei agroifin, that's... Kamos-wise, high width, we're not taking that into account. But at the same time, you do also have to be sensitive to how much height is going to be left over, and that height is going to be a bear. Bekonim in the event that where you're cutting our shoots from reeds or from a, a geffen, from a vineyard, then So then you only allow to cut from the pkak and above. Pekak Rashi says it's a kesher, that's a knot. So you have to know what the knot of a kon is, the knot of a gefen is. But the point is, from there and up, you'd be allowed to cut. Beneath that, you wouldn't be allowed to cut. The shahar ilon is, and as it relates to all other trees, it's min uboy shal ilon. You're allowed to take from the uvoy of the tree, veloy min chudoy shal ilon, but not from the chudoy of the tree. So what is this? So Rashi says, uvoy shal ilon, or Rashi's girsa seems to be evoy shal ilon, not with a vav, but rather with a yud. It means from the fruit of the tree, which 
Over here doesn't mean the physical fruit, but it means anofim harakim vedakin. It means the softer branches. So if you want to cut, you can cut the smaller branches, but the bigger branches is something that you'd never be allowed to cut. Additionally, the only time you're allowed to take is if it's from a new branch that isn't producing any paris yet. But to the extent that it's already producing paris, then you wouldn't be allowed to touch it. Additionally, you're only allowed to take it from a place that doesn't see the sun. It's not exposed to the sun. But you're never allowed to take from the part that's roya sachama. What does that mean? So if you have a tree that has a whole bunch of branches, so the outer branches are roya sachama. The one that's in the middle of the thickness of the branches, that's not roya sachama. Shenema, where do you see this mail of being roya sachama when it comes to a tree? It's a passing in the Torah. It says, umi meged shamesh. So meged means like abundance, tfuah shamesh. So the tfuah that's exposed to the sun, that's a little bit more abundant. And as a result, that's going to be off limits. Now it's a little bit mashma from this last Gemara that we just learned that even though in the Takanas of Yeshua Benun, it sounds like you, you can take whatever you want with the exception of a zayis, where you have to leave over the shnei agreifim. Here, when Rab Tanchan and Rab Reis Mishum Zokin Echad explain the salacha, they actually set limitations to other types of shoots as well. There was the limitation for the zayis. And then there's the limitation for the konim and the ksanim and even for shar kolilonai. So it seems like really for all of the different trees and all the different shoots and branches, there are going to be some sort of limitations. The next one at Takana was that in the event you have a mine, you have a spring. That was yoytze tchilo. It's a fresh spring. So all the b'nei are allowed to take from it. But at the same time, you have to pay for it. However, we don't pass in that way. The tonight the Shulman was that you're allowed to take and you don't have to pay for it. Another one of the Takanas was is that you let it go fishing in Yamashal Tferio, Ubavachala Yifrois Kalavyamanasfina. With the exception that you have to make sure that you're not going to set some sort of entrapment to stop the boats. But if you want to use nets and different fancy traps, that's something that you're going to be allowed to do. Now if you see there's a little aleph next to that line, which sends you to the Agoris Agra, and the Vulnagarin says that you have to take this out. And the reason you have to take it out is because it seems to contradict what we just said. And then you're telling me at first glance it seems to contradict itself. If you do have the girsa, then Pshat and the girsa is based on what we're about to see in, in the next Gemara, that line would not be referring to a stranger and a foreigner, but it would be referring to the Olam that were part of Sheva Naftali. The Yam of Tveri was in their Shevet. They had more rights, and for them, they could be Tzad with Rishasis and Mechmaris. Tanarabon, which segues this into this price. Back in the day, the Shvatim made a Tanai amongst each other. That they're not going to set these fancy entrapments. But if a member of Sheva Naftali is going to want to set up a Reshes and a Michmar, that's something that he would be allowed to do. The Rishonim speak out that from this price it sounds like that the Tanai that you're not going to be Pyrrhus clear to get in the way of the ships was Shvatim or Hisnu Zehazet. From the Lashon of the Braisa, it sounds like it was one of the Tanayim of Yeshua Benun. So they say that you have to say that Enochinami, the Tanayim of Yeshua Benun was not Shelo Yifrois Klir V'yamadas Asfina. That the Rishonim Shvatim made up amongst each other. What was the tonight? The tonight was that you can go fishing. But in terms of that second aspect of it, that's actually not the tonight of Yeshua Manun, but that's the Shvatim that were his news and Ton Rabbanah, more on this note. Yamishal Tveri Bechelkeshal Naftali. The Yam of Tveri is in the Chelek of Naftali. In addition to taking Yamishal Tveri on the southern part of the Yam, he took one strip of land 
that was very, very narrow. How narrow? It's meloy chevel. It's like the thickness of a rope. Mekayim ha'shenemar, to be mekayim, the posseg that says, U'le naftoli yomar, naftoli svarotzoin, u'mole birkes Hashem, yom v'doroim yerosha. So he got the yam. Additionally, there was a yerusha that he got, which was on the doroim, and that's this meloy chevel cheirem. Tanya, Rav Shem ben Allah, Rav Shem ben Allah says that, Kulushim Shabaharin, when the Yidin came into Eretz Yisrael, anything that was tolish, like any trees that had been uprooted from the ground that were on top of the mountains. Any person that wanted to take it was allowed to take it. Meaning, let's say it was So you would think, okay, Zvulun gets to keep it. That's if it's Mechubar. But if it was Talish, it was Hefker, whoever wanted to take it could take it. It that was attached. Was that belonged to the people that were of that shape. Additionally, said Rav Shemin Allah, every single Shevet in Klai Yisrael had a chilek in the land that consisted of the following. She'en bahar, there was mountain region. Ubashvela, there were lowlands. Ubenegev, that's open land. Ubeemek, those are valleys. Shenemar, how do you know that? Because the Pasik says, Pnu usulachem, uvo har hoyamoyri, falkoshchenov, barova, bahar, Ubashvela, ubanegev, ubechoyfayom, eretz aknani balabonnoin, adanor agod on haperos. So you see that the area of Amoiri was made up of Har, of Shvela, of Negev, of Chayfayam. It was made up of all these different types of regions. Now, the Emesis, the Pasuk says it regarding Amoiri. How do you know that it's true for the entire land? Maybe only the Amoiri part of Eretz Yisrael. Right? Eretz Yisrael was the land of the seven nations. So maybe it was Dafke, that nation. Because in that Pasuk it says, And the punchline are the next words. So you see, all the Shechein, it wasn't just the Moiri that had all these Fashidina types of land, but really everyone that lived there, and that's how you know every single Shevet got different types of land. Again, we're going through this quickly. So, we're talking about the ten tenoim of Yeshua Menon. And one of the tenoim was that you're allowed to use the facilities in somebody's private rishos, meaning if you want to go to Chari Agedah, so you have a little bit of privacy, you could do it. And even if this is like a very chash of a field, it's a sodashi malaya karkum. Even that it's going to be okay. Amr Avachar Yaakov said, You want to know what the Ikah Chiddush of this tonight was? I mean, this sounds like a big enough Chiddush to me. But the Ikah Chiddush was really not even that. The Ikah Chiddush was that after this person finished using the bathroom, he was allowed to go to this wall, this gather, he could take tzor, he could take a rock out of it, and he can use it to clean himself. Um, Rav Chiz, Rav Chiz said, I'll tell you better, you can even do it on Shabbos. Now, this is already a big Chiddush. Why is it a Chiddush? Number one, because it sounds like you're being soicer. Number two, why is the rock not mukta? Dvarim atikim. Mazutra chasido. The Gemara says, Mazutra the chasid, shakulam ahadar. He would take meaning if this was something that he needed to do, but he would always return it. And then after Shabbos, he would tell his Gabba, Zil Shirke, go cement it back. He wanted it to be in a very, very cemented way. Incidentally, it sounds like from the Gemara that he was able to take it out and be soicer, even though it had already been cemented. Meaning it sounds like this is like a real nice soicer. 
and it's even Avanas Livnois because he's going to put it back tomorrow. Afal Pikin, it was Mutter, God will cover Abrius, maybe Shadoicha Lois, Shabbatair, again, very much not our subject. Umahalchin, Bishvile Horishos, Achneteirid, Reviashneel. So there were certain roads and paths that were private property that you were allowed to walk through, but at the same time, you can only do it until the second rainfall. Once the second rainfall comes, so then the land gets already muddy and dirty, and if you're going to walk through somebody's property, you're going to cause damage. Amr Papa, Papa said the Haidi done as it relates to us, Afilu Tal Kashila. Once there's dew on the ground, even then you can't walk in Shvile Harishos because any little thing that we're going to do is going to cause a little bit of problems. Now, the Emmis is this line is a little problematic based on everything we've learned up until this point. Who's talking? Rapapa's talking. Rapapa, you don't have to be a historian to know, lived in Bavel. He's one of the Chachme HaTalmud. Bavli. So, why is he discussing what the law would be in Bavl? That's going to segue us into the next Gemara. So sometimes there were Yisaydois that naturally formed based on rain, etc., in the middle of the road. And during that, it was hard to travel through the middle of the road. So one of the Tanam of Yeshua Benun was, you can go on the side, and even though by going on the side, you may cause a little bit of damage to the people's Rishus on the side of the road, it's going to be okay. Shmuel and Rabbi were once traveling together on the road, have a mystalic Shmuel and Sidi Adrachim, and Shmuel, he went to the side of the road. Amalei Rabbi Yehuda, so Rabbi Yehuda told Shmuel, you're going on the side of the road? You may cause damage to some of those houses. So he said, must be, it's based on the Tanai Yeshua Benun. But one second, the Tanai Yeshua Benun was an Eretz Yisrael. So are you of the opinion that Tanai Yeshua Yeshua, I feel above that the Tanai Yeshua Benun are true even above Amalei Ani Yomer? You want to know what I hold? I feel above I hold it's true even in Chutzlaretz. Enochinami, the Tanai of Yeshua Benun is true. There's a little dollar there. Halacha l'mayis, I feel above This is going to be okay. Rebbe and Rebbe have a shakli ve'azli be'urcha. Rebbe and Rebbe were once traveling together. And they went to the side of the road. Have a kamafsiva also Rabbi Huda ben Kenusa. Some have the girls say Rabbi Huda ben Nikusa. And Rabbi Huda ben Nikusa was walking in front of them. So Rabbi and Rabbiya are walking on the side because of the Isaidois. They're taking advantage of this tonight, Yeshua Benun. That's something they're allowed to do. But there's a Yid, Rabbi Huda ben Nikusa, and he doesn't want to falasach on this. And as a result, he's trying to literally hurdle over all these. Different Yisaidais because he doesn't want a Khalila go on the side. Right, you should be careful and this is not something he's gonna do. So Rebbe saw this, and instead of being impressed, he had a opposite reaction. Who's this person that's Who's this person that he thinks he's so chashiv that he wants to be more from than even us, and he won't take advantage of the fact that there's a takani allowed to walk on the side. Only Rabchiyos. Rabchiyos said, "Shemer Rabbi Yehuda ben Nakusa Talmidi, who maybe this is Yehuda ben Nakusa, my Talmud, the Chol Meisel l'Shem Shema." And if it's him, don't get upset because I want you to know, Kol Meisel l'Shem Shema. He's on a madrega where he's holding by this. This is not Stam Yuar of Almikimotu. When they got a little bit closer, Chazia, they saw him on Malay. He told him, "He love Yehuda ben Kenusa." At were not for the fact that Yehuda ben Nakusa gezartinu l'shokach begizra the parzala. We would not have been happy, and what we would have done is we would have broke your kneecaps, right? We would have literally hit your knees, and this is what would have ended up happening to you. This Gemara sounds familiar. It's because it came up in a raid by. 
Daf Nun Hey, it's in the related raid bites. Ayin Sham Hatoy Ben Akram. Another one that Takanas Yeshua Ben Nun was that if somebody finds himself lost in the middle of a vineyard, Mafsig V'Yoyred, Mafsig V'Oyla, you're allowed to try to make your way through, even though it means you're going to cause a little bit of damage on your way out. As opposed to what? As opposed to taking the long scenic route. You're not mechuyiv to do that. Tanu Rabbanon, a brayse that elaborates this point. Somebody sees his friend who's lost in the middle of a carrier. You're allowed to now go into the vineyard. You're allowed to be mafsik v'oyla mafsik v'yoyrit to go save your friend. Until you get him to the road. Same is true for the person himself who's lost. Until he makes it to the city or until he makes it to the road. So the Bryce says that if someone sees his friend lost in the middle of a Karen, he can be to save him. If the person himself is lost, he himself can be Why is it a bigger Chiddush that the person himself can do this? I can go into the Karen to help you and you can't go through the Karen to help yourself? Something Gemara says, you could have thought so. You know why? The person that's going to save the friend, he sees where he needs to go. So being that he knows where he's going, so he's not going to do that much damage. But the person who's lost, who's literally lost, he has no idea where he's coming, where he's going. So I would have thought, so therefore, maybe he should not be able to go through because he's going to cause way too much damage. So what should he do? Maybe he should have to take the long scenic route. He should have to go to where he knows for sure is an edge and walk all the way around. Kamash Malan, that this is something he's allowed to do. Says the Gemara, I don't understand. This is a Takano of Yeshua Benon. This is a Braisa. This is something you're allowed to do. Ha This is a Din Raisa. The time you learn to the Braisa. Ashavas Kufa Minayan. So familiar with the concept of Ashavas Haveda. Says the Braisa, how do you know that there's also a mitzvah of Ashavas Gufa? If a person himself is lost, how do you know there's a mitzvah to return the person to himself? Talmud Loimar, it says in the Torah, and we learn from there, return the person to himself. So it should be posh that you could be mafsik v'oyla mafsik v'yoyrit. I need a takana for this. It says very posh. No, there arise who the kaibe mitzri. Also, who takin the mafsik v'oyla mafsik v'yoyrit. You have to even know what the kasha was. Udakari la makari la, right? The fact that there's a dindai raisa to return a person means you have to figure out a way to save him. That means you can go through the field and you can take him back out the field. Maybe figure out a way to get him. But who said you could be mafsik v'oil or mafsik v'yoyrit? That was only because of the takana of Yeshua Benon. Umeis mitzvah kanamakan. The last of the takanas of Yeshua Benon was that if you find the meis mitzvah, you bury it exactly where it is. I'll ask you a kashnah. If somebody finds a mace that's lying across the road, you should not bury the mace in the isratia, but rather you should move it either to the right or to the left. Meaning, you can pick. But at the same time, it shouldn't be Literally in the road. Stay bore the stay near. Let's say on one side of the road there was a stay bore that's a field with nothing's in it, and the other side it was a stay near, a field that's already been plowed. If a nail, the stay bore, you should bring it to the stay bore. Why? The stay near, somebody already toiled, he was chayrish already, so why ruin the stay near? Stay near the stay zera. Let's say one field was plowed, the other one was even planted, and if a nail, the stay near, because the one that was planted already had a lot more toil. Hayu shteyem burois, shteyem nirois, shteyem zruyois, let's say all things are equal, the two fields are mamish identical. If a nail, the makam you could do whatever you want. What's the kasha? 
I thought Mace Mitzvah is kind of Mekayma. So if Mace Mitzvah is kind of Mekayma, why are we even having this conversation? You have to bury it exactly where it is. This field, that field, right, left, what happened to the Takon of Yeshua Benon? Amr Rabibi, Rabibi said, It's talking about where this Mace was Muto, Rashi says, along the width of the road. And it's impossible to go over this road without hovering over the Mace, without being mal on the Mace. Now, to be mal on a mace is a big problem. First of all, Kayim wouldn't be able to go on that road. And even in Yisrael, he would now have issues because he'd become Tomei. What if he's carrying Tyrus or Trumo? So this could be very, very complicated. So in that case, there's a carve-out. There's an exception to the rule. Meaning, in this regulation, there's a safe harbor. There's an exception that says that although mace mitzvah, Kayim and but if you have a Nisratia, and there's a mace that mutalala mezar, so then already you have to move it. Now, the Bryce is discussing, once you're moving it, where should you move it? That, the Bryce says, being that you're moving it, then then already there's a whole cheshben and a packing order of exactly how you're supposed to move it. Either way, this concludes the ten takonos of Yeshua Benu. But as we said, that if you count the ten takonos, it's not really ten. It's really eleven, which is a problem. Asara takonos, and then you have eleven, amri, asara, hani, chadzri, havin. It's not ten, it's really eleven. And for the Gemara, mahalchen rishos, One of the takonos was that you're allowed to walk in the shvilei rishos up until the second major rainfall of the season. That sounded like it was a takana of Yeshua Benon. It's really not a takana of Yeshua Benon. It's really a much later takana. It comes from Shleimah Melakidatanya, and it's based on a Brice. If somebody has no peiros in his field, but at the same time, he doesn't let people walk through his field. What are people going to say about him? Meaning, what's his reputation going to be? They're going to say, what benefit does he have by not allowing his neighbors to walk through his field? What damage is happening? Somebody's walking through his field. I'm like, what's the big deal? All of our It's regarding him that the Pasik says, If he could be a good guy, then why be bad? That's a Pasik? I never heard that Pasik. Right, the Gemara says, All of our a Pasik that never happened. This is not even in Sefer Ben Siro. This Pasik, like, really never happened. And for the Gemara, in Although it doesn't say that Pasik, but it says a similar Pasik. What it says is a Pasik in Mishlei. Don't withhold from doing something good. In the event that you have the ability to do something good. Now, who said this? Shleim HaMelech. He's the one that wrote Mishlei. Oh, and this Pasuk is referring to this Indian. So you see, this is Shleim HaMelech's patent. So although it's true, we said 10 and we mentioned 11, somehow this made its way into the Bryce, so it really doesn't belong here, because that's not related to Yeshua Benon. This is hundreds of years later. This is related to Shleim HaMelech. Faith to Gemara. Vesulek. Are there only 10 Takanas of Yeshua Benon? We're familiar with others. Va'ikid Rav Yehuda. What happened to Rav Yehuda? The time we went to the Bryce, Rav Yehuda said, Shas Haitzah's volume. When it comes time to taking the zevel, the fertilizer, into the Rishos HaRabim, it's something you're allowed to do, and you have to pile it up every 30 days, and the reason you're allowed to do this is so that people and animals should walk and trample over it, because when Yeshua Benun was Manchel Eretz Yisrael, he made a condition, he made it tonight, and he said that this is something that you're going to be allowed to do. Rabbi Yehud in this Bryce is talking about 
uh, Tanai that dates itself back to Yeshua Benon, where Yeshua Benon said that a person is allowed to take fertilizer that he has in his field, he's allowed to put it in the Rishus Rabbim. The value of doing it is, is that it's going to be Nishayf, Beragdayadim, People and animals are going to trample over it, it's going to make it more uh, commercially viable. He could keep it there for up to 30 days. But up to 30 days, he's allowed to do it. This is from a Tanai Yeshua, it wasn't mentioned anywhere in our Brisa. How did this not make the cut? For Ikud Rabbi Shemal ben Oish, Rabbi Yechem Ben the Gemara says, I'll tell you another Tanai that we know from Shas that wasn't mentioned. And this one was authored by Rabbi Shemal, the son of Rabbi Yechem Ben Broke, Tanai Shemal ben Oish, Rabbi Yechem Ben Broke, Tanai Bezin, who does a Tanai Bezin, a person allowed to go into his neighbor's field, the Koitzeit Soichoi Shal Chavero, and can cut off his neighbor's branch, lahatzel nechil shaloi, to save a swarm of bees that belong to him that are on this branch, and then he pays him for the value of the branch. So the story here is where a person had a swarm of bees, and it went into his neighbor's field, and they're all nestled now on this very, very big branch. And this is a branch that you're not allowed to cut, even with the halach of koitzitz natiyas, this is like one of these big branches. So you're not allowed to touch this branch. But to save your swarm of bees, you'd be allowed to. Now, you're going to cause this guy a hefsen moment? The answer is no. You're going to write him a check. But you would have thought that maybe you're not allowed to do it. Kamash Malon, it's from the Tanoim of Yeshua Benon. You could do this. But additionally, Rabbi Shmuel Benon Yishev Yechem Reka said, that Tanai Bezen, who there was another Tanai, that said, Let's say you have a person who has a chavis of yayin. And his friend has a chavis of dvash. Now dvash, once upon a time, was more valuable than yayin. Times have changed. But that's the way it was once upon a time. So honey costs more money than wine does. So you see that your friend's honey is leaking and he's about to lose his honey. So this is something you can do. Take your wine, pour it out, use your chavis to save his dvash and force him to reimburse you for the value of the wine. Meaning it's Kedaifim, because Bechlal Masayim Mona. He's going to end up making money on the deal. But at the same time, you would have thought, who said I could be presumptuous, and I can go ahead and assume that this is the halacha. Kamash Malan, this is something that you're allowed to do. The person is going to be forced to sell the dvash to give you the money that you need to make yourself whole for the wine that you lost. The Tanai Bezdin, who another Tanai Bezdin, she has a mefaricus etzav, the Tanya Pishtane Shal Chavere. Let's say you're traveling together with a friend and you have a chamar, and on your chamar there's etzim, and your friend has a chamar, and he has Pishtan. And then all of a sudden his chamar, it breaks down, right? Now it can't travel anymore. So you can take your etzim off your chamar, put his Pishtan, you're going to lose all your Eitzim and force him to give you the value of the Eitzim. And here's the punchline. These Tanoim are not just regular Tanoim, they trace themselves back to Yeshua Benun. So the Gemara's Kasha is Vesuleka, you don't have more than 10. What about all these different Tanoim that we mentioned over here? And for the Gemara, We're talking about 10 Tanoim that everybody agrees were put in place. These were all mentioned by Yechidim. The first one was Rabbi Yehuda, and then the latter ones were Rabbi Shmuel ben Oisho, Rabbi Yechon, and Ben Baraika. The Braisa that we have is a Stam Braisa, which implies that everybody held that these Tanoim were in effect. So it could be, according to certain individuals, there were more than 10, but there's 10 that's true according to everybody. But the Gemara asks another Kashmah, Somebody has a tree that the branches of the tree are hovering into his friend's field. The Echot Ilan has some Or if somebody has a tree where the root of the tree is very close to the granites, 
to the meitzer, to the fence of his neighbor. So the Allah is maybe the Kaira. You'll have to bring Bikurim from such fruit. And not just that, you'll have to read the parasha of Bikurim. Shalmanas came, Hinchel Yeshua Li Yisrael. That's Aretz, because Yeshua Benoam, when he was Machel Eretz Yisrael, he did it on the Kedisha, and this is going to be the Allah. Now, the context of this is a Sugim Bava Basra, and Perikla Yachbar. That's the calm before the storm. It's Bava Basra, Chavzayin Abedez. It's right before Cheska Zavatim. But over there, the Gemara discusses that if your branches hover over somebody's field, you're a ganav because you're sucking nutrients from that person's field. If your roots are a little bit too close to the meitzar, that's also a problem. A ganav doesn't bring bakur. In mitzvah, baba, But that's the halach. If you steal a field, you steal fruit, so you don't bring any bikurim. Stating that, Rabbi Yochanan said that if someone has such a field, the halach is that you're going to be mevi v'kaira. And the reason is, she'almenas that even though technically there's a little bit of a Geneva going on over here, but you're going to be maybe the Kaira. Now this Rabbi Yechanan said, Rabbi Yechanan's an Amor, he's not a Tana, so Rabbi Yechanan's really repeating what the Tanoim said, and there's no specific Tana that this law is attributed to, which implies that everybody is of the opinion. So it's not a Yechidoi, this is something that everybody holds. So what happened to this? So the Gemara says, I hear you're saying very good. You have to say a different Tanah. You want to know who is the Tanah that said, Meaning, the Gemara's initial approach was that everybody holds its ten. There are certain Yechidim that hold not that way. Now the Gemara is doing an about face, 180 degrees. We're saying just the opposite. There's one Amira, Rabbi Shua ben Levi, who's of the opinion that all it was was ten. Says the Gemara. In fact, Rabbi Gevir, Mi Beikasil, Masni Lobahedya. He used to say Mephorish that Rabbi Tanchum Verabrais, Amri Mishum Zokin Echot. Rabbi Tanchum and Rabbrais both said over the name of one Zokin. Umani, who was that Zokin? Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Asarit Tunayim, Hisni Yeshua. So you see, it's only the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Incidentally, we had on Amin Aleph. Rab Tanchen and Rab Reis said in the name of Zokin Echad, which was a peerish in one of the Tanoim, over there the Zokin Echad was, was nameless. Also, it sounded like Rab Tanchen and Rab Reis were just saying over Mishum Zokin Echad one prat in one of the Tanoim of Yeshua Benun. But at the end of the Sugya, what we see is that no, really, this whole Braisa is Rab Tanchen and Rab Reis in the name of Rab Yeshua Ben Levi, that it was Asar Tanoim, but could be, not everybody agrees with this. We have Rabbi Yehuda, you have Rabbi Shmuel ben Yisrael, Rabbi and Breika, the great Rabbi Yechanan. So this is not something that's necessarily universally accepted Excel. So this concludes one daf that talks about the Asara, or maybe more Tanoim, Shehisni Yeshua Benun, Ba'amanas Kain Hinchales Aris. As it relates to Ray, two Aris. The first Aris is the Gemara brought a Braisa. Actually, we'll do one R. We'll save the other R, maybe for another day. The Gemara in yesterday's daf. So we're going back to yesterday's daf. On daf Peyomid Beis, brought a simen. Chabad, Bich, Bachan, simen. What's this a simen for? So it's a simen for three halachas that were said over by the sons of Rapapa. The simen relates to which sons of Rapapa were the ones that said this. Chabad is Amr Rab Acha Bar Papa, Mishum Rab Abba Bar Papa, Mishum Rab Ada Bar Papa. Bich is Amrilok, because some say it was Rab Abba Bar Papa, Mishum Rab Chia Bar Papa, Mishum Rab Acha Bar Papa. And Bochan is because Amrilok, there was some that held that it was Amr Rab Abba Bar Papa, Mishum Rab Acha Bar Papa, Mishum 
Reb Chanina Bar Papa. But either way, you have three different formulations of three of the sons of Rab Papa that said the following halacha, and Chazal gave us a simon, and the simon is Chabad Bich Bachan. I saw in the Sefer Megillah Simonim, a Sefer that we've quoted many times, it was written by the Aderes, and the Sefer was written on Simonim. So on this simon, Chabad Bich Bachan Simon, he asks two kashas. The first kasha that he asks is that he doesn't really understand why we would have this simon, Dafka in this place, Meaning, every time there's a simon, there's a reason there's a simon. You don't have a simon on every gemara. Certain gemaras have a simon. So he's mutching a little bit in his world of being the guru when it comes to understanding simonim. He's not 100% clear of why there is this simon over here. He says very often the reason there's a simon is because of something mechudishtig about the mimer that was said. And we want you to remember the mimer. And it's related to that that we go out of our way to give you an extra way of, of remembering the mimer. So you're going to think Chabad, Bich, Bochan, right? You're not going to forget this so fast. And that's going to remind you not of all the sons of Rapapa, but it's going to remind you of what they said. So he said, there must be some Chiddush here in what they said. Okay, so what did they say? They said three halachas. Masri and alachikuch b'shavas. That in the event is a makashchim, literally of Makas fame, then even on Shabbos, which usually is Shabbos Yimilizah, but over here we dive in and we don't just dive, we even blow Shoifer, we go a whole Seder of Tainus, etc. Fidelis Hananel, Slavim Heriti Pasach, that in the event somebody feels like he's having a bad stroke right now in life, you should know, Slavim Heriti Pasach, Lav Dafkit's going to change so fast. Valikeach Bayes Be'eretz Yisrael, and if somebody buys a house in Eretz Yisrael, Kaisvanol of Oyna, Philip Shabbos, you're buying from an Eni Yehudi, Al Yudei in Eni Yehudi, Amir Lachim Shvuz, this is Shvuz, the Shvuz, Mark of Mitzvah, said, Allah is that you'd be allowed to have this star written, Al Yudei in Oyver Kechav. So he says, probably the reason there's a simon on this Gemara is because of the Toichen. But then he says that the Emes is, I'm not really sure what the Toichen is so significant about the frat what's the shaykhis between these three things so he says this is really this is his first kasha why did this gemara this member over here have the schus to get a simon and he said if I would appreciate better the chashivas of the maimer maybe that would be the answer but I can't figure out what the chashivas is but they seem to have nothing to do with each other and if that's the case what's the union of the simon in his Agoy Smartzach, on this Gemara, he says, it's posture to me that these three halachas are all saying the same exact thing. And it's actually bringing out a very, very chash of a nekuda. And that is that a person sometimes is given in life a shasa kosher, and when a shasa kosher comes, you have to pounce on it. Because you never know if that shasa kosher is ever going to come again. And don't say that kishne efne eshne, because shemaloiti panet. This shechin right now. It's Shabbos. We need a Yeshua. But it's Shabbos. And Shabbos imilizoy. But at the same time, you know Because right now might be the Shasa Kosher. And if right now is the Shasa Kosher, then we're going to even look away from Shabbos and we're going to say, The Gemara gave an example of it. The Gemara said that one of the Amiram was trying to get smicha, And he almost got smicha, and he didn't get it. And he was the one that said afterwards that that if the door closes on you, meaning it was open, and now boom, it's slammed in your face, lav it's going to open again. Because he understood that he had a Shasa Kosher where maybe he was going to be 
the Muslim was Rav Achami Difti, and it didn't work out for him. So why be married Pasach? And only Keich Bayis Beretz Yisrael Kois for all of Oynei Afilu B'Shabes. Mishum Yishev Beretz Yisrael the Yidden. I've always been trying to get control of every piece of land they could possibly get. So you have an opportunity now of Yishev Beretz Yisrael, and you can conquer a piece of land. The problem is you need a star. And it's Shabbos. Amir la'av comes only a shvus. Mishum yishuvayt yisrael. The goes of erabanan. You can do it. Why? Because this is a shas hakodesh. Says Maritzchias. You want to know the chashivas of this halach, and you want to know why this maybe he doesn't say this would have a simon because it's such an important message over here. And that is sometimes in life a door is open and open. Go through the crack of that door because if it closes, like meriti pasach, you don't know for sure if you're ever going to have another opportunity. But then the Adaris asks another kasha. And that is as follows. He says, the Chiddush Be'enai. There's a little bit of a Chiddush to me in this Gemara. The Chiddush is, She B'Shem Mois B'nei Rapapa, Lo'y Nimsa Klal Rabchia, V'lo'y Rababa. It sounds like these are all the sons of Rapapa. Now we know Rapapa had ten sons. And we're quite familiar with the ten sons. But he says, I just discovered two new names. I discovered the name Chia. I never heard of Chia Bar Papa. And I never heard of Abba Bar Papa. Now, we know of Abba Mori Bar Papa. Maybe it's the same person. But here by Papa for sure not. And he says, V'chiddish be'enai. It's a little bit of a chiddish to me. Now, just to go through the cheshman, Sezamin, the ten sons of Papa of Hadron fame are Chanina bar Papa, Romi bar Papa, Nachman bar Papa, Achoi bar Papa, Abamori bar Papa, Raphram bar Papa, Rochish bar Papa, Surche bar Papa, Ada bar Papa, and Daru bar Papa. If you go through the list of the Chabad, Bich, Bach, and Simen, so you had five Bar Papas. Yet Acha Bar Papa, Abba Bar Papa, Ado Bar Papa, Chia Bar Papa, and Chanina Bar Papa. So Acha Bar Papa is probably Achoy Bar Papa. Abba Bar Papa is probably Abba Mari Bar Papa. Ado Bar Papa is definitely Ado Bar Papa. Chanina Bar Papa is Chanina Bar Papa. The one that is a Tzorachin is Chia Bar Papa. Says the Aderes, it's a little bit Tzorach. Iyun to me Chidush Be'enai, Shebeshema Yispnei Rapapa, Le'nitzakla Rapchia. Abba, we can give, you can give Zechanetza maybe Hainu Abba, Hainu Abba Mori. But Chia for sure not, and this is something that he asks us, Akashas. I just think, in light of the raid that we spoke about last night, and in light of the raid that we spoke about last week, just in base Medrash Blechidish, I want to talk a little bit about the ten sons of Rapapa. You'll see, it's just going to tie in a couple of things that we spoke about recently. And that is as follows. The mini Yisrael is that when we make a Sim, you say a Hadrin, and part of the Hadrin is to mention the ten sons of Rapapa. The Makar to this comes already from the Rishonim. The Rishonim, it's brought down in Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchis Talmud Torah. The Ramah says, Simen Reish Mem Vav, Siv Chavav. Kishem Esayim Mesechta, when you make a seer, mitzvah l'smayach v'lasay suda. There's a mitzvah to be happy, and there's a mitzvah to make a suda, v'negras suda's mitzvah. And that suda is called a suda's mitzvah. Zok Deshach. Because of the Saif Chuvas Maramins, Staten Chuvas Maramins, the Kishabon, the Saif Mesechta, when you come to the end of a Mesechta, you shire ma'at, the Saif Achas Hakosher. You should leave over a little bit, and you should wait for a Shas Hakosher. What's a Shas Hakosher for a Siem? Yoyma deroy lasakim by Suda, a day where it's good to make a Suda. Meaning, a Siem is not a mitzvah's essence as Mangarom. It's not something that you have to do literally on the day that you finish the Mesechta. Fakat, 
it's actually appropriate to try to find a good date on the calendar that's going to work for everybody. The minig was, says the Ramins, that all the Balabatim would come to Yeshiva in the beginning of the Zman. They would come in the beginning of this man, and at that time they would make the sim. And like this, he says, they had the trila and the soif all wrapped together, and it was mamish gavaldi. Ramins continues, and he says, You should try to have a minion by a sim so that you could say a kadesh drabana. Additionally, you should say the Asar of Rapapa. You should mention the ten sons of Rapapa. The Hisudas Mitzvah, says the Ramins. Says the Shach Vaiter. Gamar Shal, in Yam Shal Shloy, because of the Perak Merubah, this was last night's raid. Slim and Lamed Zion, the Sea of Mesech, the Sudas Mitzvah. Umasik, the Mikomokim, in Lavarach Shasimcha Bemoinon. Shoinemo. He says that even though it's a Sudas Mitzvah, and really the Hergish would suggest he should say Shasimcha Bemoinon, but that's not something that you should do. Ubesoifa Perakosa, and the Yam Shal Shloy, at the end of Perak Merubah says, Da'afilo Mishaloy Sayim, Mesechta, Mitzvah Rabba, Sheyesamach Im Hamasayim. You don't have to be a Messiah in order to have the Simcha of a Siyam. So to be Mishtata for someone else that's being Messiah is also an Indian. So even if one Yochid is being Messiah, he could schlep with him a whole Rabbim of people to be Mishtata. Meaning you would have thought maybe Achrei Rabbim Lahatlis. Since you have a Rabbim that are being Messiah, okay, so a few Yechidim, a few stragglers. You get a punim chadoshes, something along those lines. But no, even if one person is making the sin, there's an Indian to bring in a whole rabbin, everybody should come together, they should be Messiah together. But one of the things that the Meram Mintz, as quoted by the Shach, said, you're supposed to do at a sin, you're supposed to mention this ten sons of Rapapa. And the question is why? Why are the ten sons of Rapapa so prominently highlighted and featured at a sin? The end of the Yamsho Shloima, here in Masechtas Bavakama, he brings... A drush no that he heard from the Ramah that relates to a seer. I'll read just the introduction. He says, Hine, Mashinoya Gimberagilum Anula Hasker, Besim Kom Mesechta, Rav Papa in Masara Bonov, Shahoyu Meirim Vigdoil Matai. So Rav Papa had ten sons and they were all Meirim and they were Gdoil Taira. And he says that the reason the Minig is to mention them is, Because every time his sons, Rapapa's sons would finish a Masechta, Rapapa would make a Suda for them. He would make a Siyam for them. Ki Asher because he was a big vir. And he used to support people that were sinning and learning Torah. It's for that reason that Rapapa was Zoycha. Shemaskirin Oisei, that we mention him, in Masar together with his ten sons. Haroimzin, ki ilu huskura seres adipras. And then the Ramah said that there's an added knech, because if you mention Rapapa and his ten sons, it's going to be Ke'ilu, you mentioned the Aseris Hadiris. And he goes on, it's two pages long, where this is the Ramah al-Derech Drush, incidentally, underrated. We have a lot of Drush from the Ramah. Teresach Oilo is a classic, safer, two volumes with a lot of Drush from the Ramah. But the point is, al-Derech Drush, said the Ramah, where you see in the ten sons of Rapapa, the Aseris Hadiris. But Al-Kopanim, this Indian of mentioning the ten sons of Rapapa is already brought down by the Maram Ints, and the Yamshul Shloyma quoted the Ramah, who said that it was related to the fact that they were G'doy Le'oylam. And the reason they were Zoich to get shout by the Siam is because Rapapa himself was a Gersikvir. And every time any one of his sons would finish a Masechta, he would give them a shout 
he would make a suda for them. And because he made a suda for them, so therefore he and they had the schos that every time there's a sim, we're always going to mention that. But I'll tell you a dover nifla that I saw in the Seif and the from Rabruvim Moshe. This is for Rabruvim Margolis. This is printed at the very, very, very end of the Seif and the So at the end of the Seif and the it's literally the last page, page 226. So he has a few shtikloch on the Hadron, literally. So after he goes through Kalatayrakula, so he has on the Hadron a few shtikloch. And one of them is discussing why it is that we mentioned the uh, 10 sons of Rapapa, and this is classic vintage Rabruvim Margolis. He says that I've seen a lot of Drushim on this Indian. The Ramah, the Amshel Shloyma. He said, I didn't see yet. And he says, I'm going to suggest maybe a Pashib Shat and why does we mention them? And that is with a little bit of an introduction. Last week, we spoke about the last stand of the Bali Toysfus and how underrated the times that the Bali Toysfus lived in, the 200 or so years that they operated from approximately the year 1100 to approximately the year 1300 were marred by tragedies and pogroms, and it was literally the worst of times for Yidin in terms of the persecution that they were subjected to. Why did we speak about it last week? Because last week we had the two famous long toysvacin above a kamad of Ayin and there's a Kabbalah that goes back to the Bnei Yisachar that said that the reason there are these two disproportionately long, seemingly out-of-place Toysvacin is related to the fact that these Toysvacin were written literally at the last night of their lives. They were destined to give up their lives on Kiddush Hashem in the morning and they stayed up the whole night learning the Sugya, which, by the way, talks about Sreifus Paraduma and the whole Indian of Taira and, you know, Dvarim Niflam Vatikin. So we just talked a little bit about the life and time, just to get a little context and a little bit of background, a little bit of a feel for what it was like in those times. Then this is that right before the birth of Rabbeinu Tam, the Yidin was subjected to a terrible, terrible pogrom. It was in the year 1096, which was the year of the onset of the First Crusade. It's known in Jewish literature, it's known in Kinnis as the Gzeres and the Shmad of the year Tatnu, Tov Tov Nunva. And the truth is, the fact that we don't know much today about Gzeroi's Tatnu is a simon, and it's evidence of the idea that Chazal talk about, and that is Soros Achroinois, Meshachos Achroinois. Because the truth is that the Gzeroi of Tatnu is one of the worst Kufis in Jewish history. We read a lot about it in the Kinnis, maybe not realizing, but it's for sure, without question, it's up there with the Holocaust, Spanish Inquisition, Tach Vetat, Churban Beis Hamikdash, Churban Beitar, etc. This goes down as one of the great massacres and one of the great churbanis of Klai Yisrael. And there was a time that the Yidin on Tishbab, they would sit and they were cognizant and they were mindful of the fact of Tatnu. Unfortunately, this is a Maisa that was almost a thousand years ago. And as a result, we live in a world of Tzaris Achrenis, Meshachis, Tzaris But in real time, 1096 Tatnu is... Nazi Germany, 1939. Now, the crusade, as we know, was a, a holy mission by the Neutzim, where their objective was to try to convert as many people to Nazis as they possibly could. So really, you were given a choice. The choice was, if you wanted to convert, you can convert. The other choice was that you were going to be killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem. The first crusade was very, very dominant in Rhineland, Germany. And Rhineland, Germany at that time was the epicenter of European Jewry. 
So the Jews bounced around Europe over the hundreds of years during the last uh, millennia. But in that Kufa, the overwhelming majority of Jews, Bekamus Ubeechos, were living in Rhineland, Germany, specifically in what was known as the Kehila Shom. So Kehila Shom is Shapira, Varmaiza, and Magenza, spires, worms, and mains. And it was in that area where you had the primary Mokonatera. And that's where this terrible, terrible churban took place. And the numbers are not Holocaust-level numbers, but at the same time, very, very big numbers. And it was a churban that set you in the back a tremendous amount of time. It's good to speak this out, that there was a tremendous amount of hashkocha because Rashi, Rashi HaKadosh, was born in the year 1040, which means he was 56 years old at the time that this happened. And Rashi, we know, learned in Worms. So Rashi learned in the Kehil Shum, And he had been there several years earlier spent a lot of time there. And if Rashi was there in the, 10, in the year 1096, Mioidea, but Rashi wasn't there. Rashi had already moved to France, and the first crusade didn't affect France. The second crusade affected France, but the first didn't. And as a result, Rashi, although there's truths from Rashi, where Rashi talks about different halachas that came about because of this terrible korban, but Rashi himself was not a victim. He wasn't an eyewitness to what took place, simply because... He was in a different region. But this is 1096, which is very much to the raid that we spoke about to the raid that we spoke about last week. What does this have to do with this Indian right now? So I'll tell you something interesting. We say in Davani, someone has a Siddur, the Tefillah of Shabbos, Siddur, of Arachimim. And the Tefillah of, of Arachimim is about what? It's, it's about the it's Tefillah for the Kedoshim. And you just go through Avarachim. If you read it slowly, it's, it's mamish, it's, it's poignant. And we read this tefillah, which seems to be a tefillah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, take revenge. Right, that's the idea. And this is something that we say on top. So when was the tefillah of Avarachim composed? So it's not 100% clear. But the Rishonim talk about the tefillah of Avarachim and the academics and the Yoyde Dover seem to feel that there's very, very strong evidence that the Tefillah of Averachim was composed after the massacre of Tatnu. That's when this Tefillah came into effect, which would make it one of the latest, if not the latest Tefillah that we have. But the point is, Averachim came about around that time. If you're interested in reading more about this, Rabbi Ephraim Kanderfogel wrote a, an essay, it was printed in one of the Assurance. Ayn Sham, where he talks about this at length, and he goes through all the different theories of when exactly Avarachim came about. But a very, very strong theory is that it was something that came about as a reaction to, as a reaction to the Xeris of Tatnu. Now, why would we say it Shabbos, and why do we say it Davka after Kriyas HaTayra? And this is the punchline. He says the reason is because we find in our Messiah that the right time to mention Kedoshim is when you finish a chilek of Torah. Other Rachman was instituted after Kriyas Torah. What's the classic example? Yiskar. When do you say Yiskar? You say Yiskar after after Kriyas Torah because Noch Torah 
after you make some sort of gemar, you finish, there's a hashlama, something was just finished, it's a tremendous Eisratzen, and it's an Eisratzen to be masking a Shabbos. And that's why, even though it's not such a Shabbos to get filo, Shabbos email is like, right, this is a Shabbos to get filo, but at the same time, we say, because we understand that these were Yidin that gave up their lives because they weren't willing to bow to the cross, etc., etc. And now is the time to be masked and a Shabbos. When are we going to be masked? We're going to be masked at this time. I'll tell you what Dover Nifla. He said, I found in the Sefer Hakrisos, which was rented by Rav Shamshon Mekinon, also one of the Balitoises. It's in Chelek Doirasam Mayroim Sharbez. He brings that in the year Dalit Alofin and Kuf Gimel Yitzir, Shehitof Reish Samach Gimel Ishtaris. There was a terrible, terrible massacre in the Jewish folk. And you know what happened during the massacre? Nergu b'nei Rappapa al-Kiddush Hashem. He says the ten sons of Rappapa were killed al-Kiddush Hashem. So you want to know what happened to the ten sons of Rappapa? They were nerg al-Kiddush Hashem. So Rabbi Magolah says, Lule de Mistafina, I would say, there's a Gemara Masech, this Brachas, Tavchofa Meralev, where Rappapa was talking to Abayah, and he said, Maishno, why is it that the Deiris HaRishonim had miracles and we don't have miracles? And he said, don't tell me it's because they were better in learning than we are. He says, you know why? Because I know in the times of Rabbi Yehuda, the only thing that they learned was saved in Ezekiel. We spoke this out earlier in Baba Kama. The Anan Komasnino Shisha Sidra. We keep on finishing Shisha Sidra Mishnah. We learn it again and again and again. He says this 13 button Midrashim, and we learn it from Brochis all the way to Uksin. So Ruben Magola says it's Mashma from this Gemara that in the Yeshiva of Rapapa, this Rapapa talking in his Yeshiva, they were finishing Shisha Sidra Mishnah, Shisha Sidra Mishnah. He says it's not Rochik to think that when they would make a seer, they would do what we do when we finish a chalik of Torah. We say, Avarachem, Yisker, Melekeinu, Latoiva. And we, they would say, Yisker, for the ten sons of Rapos, there are Shashiva's ten sons that were never killed by Kiddush Hashem. So he says, it's Mestaber and it's Yutachin. That in those Siyuman of Rapapa, every single time they would make a Hadron, they would mention the ten sons of Rapapa. And being that they did it, it became part of the Seder of the Hadron. And that's why all these years later, we're still mentioning the sons of Rapapa. He said, it's based on Vashtet and Sefer HaKrisis from Abshamshon HaKinon, that the ten sons of Rapapa were killed by Kiddush Hashem. And being that they were killed by Kiddush Hashem, there's an Esrotzim, like we do with Avarachamim, and with Yisker, to be masculine and Hashemis, when you make a Siyam in learning, you finish a, a parsha in the Torah, you finish a Masechta, Rapapa's Yeshiva, they were always making Siyumim. And being that they were always making Siyumim, it's not possible, he said, that they weren't mentioning the ten sons of the Rosh Hashiva. So when Rapapa see you, and they would always say Hanino Bar Papa, and they would mention one son after another son after another son, and they became the symbol of the Kedoshim that we mention every single time we make a sin. When we mention the ten sons of Rapapa, it's because we're mentioning these Kedoshim that were Nerek, Al Kiddush Hashem, Mishataka, Bizoichata, Vinikesi Domam, Loi Nikesi, Vashem Shoichain, Betzia.